Here we go. Teach like a rock star podcast. I love this episode. This is, I think this might be a first. I, you know, I've done 40, 50, I don't know how many of these, but I think this might be the first time we have, we, we, it's a double, man. We're double dipping. We got two guests on today. Um, on the same screen, we have Nita and Mike Creekmore, a married couple, uh, from the Atlanta area in Georgia. And they're amazing. Like, I can't wait for you guys to meet them. So I met, I not met them. I, I guess I found Nita first online on Instagram, of course. And her Instagram is amazing. She's at teach um, uh, love teach bless all one word love teach bless on Instagram. Mike is at bearded.school.counselor. And where do you get to know these folks? They are, are awesome. Okay, here's the thing, man. They um like individually, they're they're great. Like they're awesome individually. They're both amazing people, amazing educators, um, smart, talented, bright, creative, funny. They they have it all. But what I love about this, it's like a dynamic duo. When you put them together at the same time, like they're awesome individually, but when they have like this synergistic effect, when they're together, it they are even extra super awesome, amazing. All right, here we go. This is a great one. Enjoy. Let's do this. I found um, Anita. Your Instagram is like beautiful. You have all kind of Instagram skills. And, Thanks. Uh, <laughs> yes, you <she> do. <laughs> and um, man, I'm trying to figure the thing out. It gets to it. Like my, um, I have this crazy huge following on Facebook, but um, mm-hmm. like for I don't know. I think my teachers are really old or something because they just haven't they haven't migrated some of them over to Instagram yet. But um, I'm trying to figure that whole thing out. And so you. Um, are, are you still in the classroom? Are you like an instructional coach or I'm an instructional coach at, at a school, at elementary school? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, what, what was your thing? Were you, were you teaching elementary? Yeah, I taught elementary school for 13 years. Yeah. So I taught like kindergarten, no, first grade, second grade, and fifth grade. All right. And um, of all those grades, which was your favorite? I hate everyone asks me that. And, you know, I like teaching the first graders because they love you. I mean, fifth graders love you too, but, you know, they, they kind of have that love for you from the beginning. It's a different type of love. Yeah. And then I teach them how to read and I love doing that. Yeah. But fifth graders, man, it's you, you got to work to build, you have to build those relationships like for real. Like yeah. it's like <laughs> not a joke. Like you have to like really work. And not like you don't have first grade, but they love you because, you know, you're nice to them and you read the books. And they love you anyway. But fifth graders, yeah, that's it's but that's why I like it so much because I'm all about the relationships. And so they were like, I could talk to them like here. You know what I mean? Right. First grade their their feelings get hurt really, really badly if you you know, but so I like both. You fifth know what? First I- I had a I had a uh, a college professor and um, she was like one of those kooky ones. I still remember like she didn't wear shoes. She had bare feet, you know. And so like oh. already I was excited, man. Barefoot, for sw- yeah, right. I'm in. And um, and she we did this exercise where she had like this meditation music with like this Native American drumming thing happening. She made everybody lay on the floor, and I still remember this. She turned out the lights and she like took us on like this guided meditation through your experience in school. And, mm-hmm. and we had to close our eyes and she took us and she asked us, you know, go to your place where you felt most safe and you felt most loved by your teacher and you felt most supported and you're successful in class. 
And like we, and so I was thinking about my year with uh, Mr. Big Known. It was my fourth grade year, elementary. And then she yeah. kind of woke us up and she said, you know, what, and we all talked about our experience of what we were thinking about during this meditation thing. And, um, and, and, and by the way, usually in these situations, I get the giggles really bad. And, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, for whatever reason, I was able to keep it together. And um, everybody talked about what they were thinking about. And she said at the end of that, she said, that's where you need to teach. That's where you need to be. Wow. Like that, you're going to find your passion. And you know, like, I don't know if it was true for anybody else in the classroom, but looking back, man, like of all the stuff I taught, when I was with that age group right there, like fourth and fifth, like that was where I really felt, I, I don't like successful. And like, it, you know, I always say like in that age, I felt like I was like LeBron James playing like high school yeah. basketball. Like I felt like I was, I, I really got it, understood it. I, and I don't know. Yeah. How about for you, Mike, <laughs> for you, man, where, 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 where was it for you? Uh, for me, uh, as far as when did I start? Yeah. Well, I actually, this is my first year as a school counselor, but I've been um, a therapist in the community since about 14, about 14 years. So I actually got my master's in community, or at that time it was counseling psychology. So I took years of being working for the Department of Family and Children's Services, Department of Juvenile Justice, and um, psychiatric residential treatment facilities, and you name it as far as the community mental health mm -hmm. um, of services, I've been there. So this is my first year as a school counselor. So I guess you could say I did it the hard way. I did all the other populations, um, other venues first, and then came into the school. So, mm -hmm. and I feel like it's helped me a lot because I can honestly say it's probably not going to be too much that would happen in the school that I haven't seen or dealt with. So um, I feel yeah, very cool. equipped. So sometimes I have to kind of, make sure I pull back and not try to do anything that's too therapeutic because a lot of that has to be referred to our outside, outside providers. Yeah. And I think what's, what's oh, what I love about it, man, is like you have seen on the outside what happens if we don't take care of it right now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. And, and I, you know, I've, I've known a few people and I've worked with a few people in my time in school that have, um, you know, youth service workers and social service counselors. And, and man, just uh, what I know based on just a few experiences with them is the, the, oh my God, the stuff they've seen. Yes. You know, like as, as teachers, like we know, we hear about it. We understand what's, we understand what's, but you know, for a lot of us, we haven't been in the home and we haven't seen it firsthand for ourselves. And you, man, you, you were like in the trenches. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, absolutely. We were dating and he was like going into homes and, um, and I would be like, you're going there. He'd be like, yeah, I'm, go I'm going in the home and everything. And he would tell me stuff and I'd be like, Man, like, and it's funny because he would talk about it like it was like, like an everyday thing. Right. And for me, I'm like, what? Girls yeah. are doing that, and they're like, you know, I'm like, it's like blows my mind. And he's talking like, well, this is day to day. This is what I deal with every day. Yeah. And so, I'm, yeah. it's crazy, man. So I think it's awesome that he's in the schools now because that's what they need. And and like, what 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 level are you at? Is it junior high, high school, middle school? Oh no. <laughs> I'm I'm also in elementary school. Mm -hmm. um, I'm dealing with first and fifth grade, and I actually preferred elementary because I feel like if I can catch them at an earlier age, I can try to prevent some of the things that may happen mm -hmm. in middle and high school. 
So I felt like that was the earliest intervention point that I can be most effective. And just the fact that, you know, um, I mean, already at, at all levels, K through 12, there, there's such a shortage of men in uh, that kind of a, like that role. And, and man, loving it that you are not only in that role, but on an elementary school like that, that that's the part that's amazing. Hey, so so yeah. I was going to ask you, um, because what's interesting is finding those couples that are like do the school like lifestyle together. And now that now that the bearded hubs is in the game. So you guys now, um, how did you guys meet? You want to start? Ladies first. Okay, Ladies so first. we met. Um, we met in college, actually. Uh huh. Um. So I went to school, oh, 1997. That was my freshman year in college, and we met. We were in the same. I don't know if we were in the same class. We were in the same no, class. We were in the same class. class. So we had classes around each other. Yeah. And so we met. Uh, I remember we chatted. He taught. He walked me to my dorm, and um, you know, I was like. You know, I don't let people up in my room. I was like, <laughs> I was at an all-female dorm. I was like, men will just come up to my room, but we can chat in the lobby, you know. And we chatted, um, and he kissed me on my cheek, and that was kind of it. We we didn't date in college. Um, we both kind of went our separate ways, and then you know, I got married. I had my, this is my second marriage. Or both of our second marriages. Right. He got married, and so that's where the four kids come from. Because my three first, the first three are from my first marriage, and then we got married um, in 2013, and we had I had another child. Um, we went together, and then yeah, and so we met like what 15 years, 20 years later. Right? How did y'all reconnect? Um, Facebook. Yep. Facebook. <laughs> I was I was um, I was on Facebook, and then I got a. I actually I can't remember. I think I might have messaged her. Oh, he messaged me. Um, because at the time I was living in Virginia, he messaged me on Facebook. Um, were you in Atlanta at a basketball game? No, I'm in like, the mall. It was in the wherever. I was like, first of all, he knew I wasn't in Atlanta, but you know, I did. I did not. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we started chatting. Um, and then that was kind of it. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so but she. she Go, so go she, she missed out the first go around. That was lost. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, man. Like sometimes with those first marriages, you got to make all your mistakes with that first one. Right. That way you can do yeah. it right oh with the gosh. second one. It is so true. And it because, so true. dude, especially like getting married, like looking back, like, I mean, who does anybody really have any business getting married in their 20s? Like, no, no, we no, both say that. No, like that's. <laughs> no, I was like, I didn't know no, what I wanted. I was no. like, okay, I guess this is the next step. Right. Like, this is what we just right. do. You know what right. I mean? It's yeah. crazy. We tell our kids. It's funny because we tell our kids, you know, go to college. You know, get your life together. Yeah, buy a house. Life. Have fun. Just do you yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Don't rush to get married. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, you know, looking back, I was wondering. Um, what I've noticed is that so many educators, um, those folks are in classrooms and administration. Oftentimes they had like a significant adult of influence in their life when they were in school. You know, there's a teacher yeah. that they had or a coach or some, even AP sometimes. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. for, for you guys, when, when you think back in elementary or junior high, even high school, was there, is, is there somebody that comes to mind first that really made a difference in your life? 
Yeah. Um, for me, it was my fifth grade teacher, um, Miss Polidor, and I've said this story so many times. I struggled at reading, um, all the way up to fifth grade. I mean, I was a. I, it wasn't like I didn't. I couldn't read. It was just that I just was reading like a robot. Didn't understand what I read. I think I may have had some attention issues, which he'll tell me even now. Like you, you probably do have some attention just issues. A, just a little bit. Right? Um, just a little bit. I struggle to attend sometimes, and so Miss um, Polidor, man, she just and and also my mom was really an influence too. But Miss Polidor was a teacher. You know, I was one of those kids that grew up and went to school in the same town. I went. It was the same. I mean, kind of all the kids were together. Went to elementary, middle, high. You know, I didn't move at all. And so my sisters had the same teacher. And so my mom's like, she's awesome. I want you to have her. Well, that year, Ms. Polidor had the, had the gifted the gifted kids. Yep. Well, I wasn't one of the gifted kids. <laughs> and so um, my mom went to the principal and taught Ms. Polidor. I was like, yeah, I want my daughter in your class. And I remember distinctly, I was kind of like fiddling around there talking. Um, and she was like, I'll take care of your baby. No worries. I'll take care of your baby. And she did. And she did. And, I, and that's not to say I didn't go to other classrooms. It wasn't pulled out for reading and, and math. <laughs> but I was in her class and she worked with me. And she was she was the one that turned the corner for me. I think it was just her confidence in me. And she poured into me. And so I think that was what it was. Isn't it interesting, like, even then, like, at that age, like, in, in elementary school, you and kids, like all kids, they are conscious and they're aware of who the gifted kids are. And I am not one of those. I knew I wasn't. Yeah, it's, it's true. And it's interesting because like it, like it sets you up like, you know, now it, now like that is your mindset in elementary school. And oftentimes kid like that sticks in the kid's mind, even all the way through yeah. high school, even college, like in high school. Whether or not they have a, a, a you know particular uh, talent in an area, they still have that mindset. Right. Well, I'm I'm not AP class. No, I'm not one of those. That's those people uh, yeah. over there. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's fascinating, man. And Mike, how about you? Is it was it was there somebody for for you that really um that that comes to mind? Well, because I was a uh, my father was in the Air Force, and we moved around like seemingly every three years. Yeah, there was a, I didn't have one. Um, really in uh, elementary, middle, or high school, because every three years we were moving. So we got Virginia, Germany, New Mexico, New Jersey, South Carolina, some of everywhere. So I would say definitely, but in college I did, um, in graduate school, which I know oftentimes you're like, well, you didn't get it until college? Well, I guess you could say I kind of did my second in second grade uh, while I was in Germany. My teacher, Mrs. Cotton, now that I've, you know, really sat down and really thought about it, she was the one who um, did let my mom know that I needed to be tested for. For gifted. He was one of those gifted kids. For gifted. So I got tested for gifted in second grade. <laughs> Look how um, he beams. <laughs> he beams when he says gifted. He just kind of sits up a little taller. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was one of those gifted kids. So sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, all the all the giftedness went out the window when I got to high school and was playing basketball because I, I did struggle academically um, because I didn't prioritize academics. I put basketball over everything. Yeah. Um, parents, Michael and Frida, uh, my parents definitely reminded me that that's not everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did get it together. But really in college um, or grad school, my professor 
uh, Dr. Gail Rouse. She was influential in letting me know that in the field of mental health, I would need to be able to wear multiple hats, meaning that I would need to be able to do multiple things to sustain the income that, that would afford me the lifestyle that I want to at least attempt to live. Yeah. Um, because we all know in the field of education or mental health, yeah. we're not millionaires. Uh, we do get a lot of the biggest problems to, to try to quote unquote fix, mm. but um, we're not millionaires. So I was taught, you know, in grad school, just the importance of being able to do multiple things and work in different capacities to make yourself much more marketable um, and effective in, in the profession. So I would say that was really important to me. And I still hold on to that. You know, man, that, that, that brings up an interesting um, thought that I've never had before is like, you know, is there a responsibility of those people preparing educators and those that work in a mental health to really talk about a side hustle? Like if you're really, yes, it, yes, because you know that's yeah. one of the reasons we lose so many teachers. Get this, man. In yes. in um, over the last few years in Oklahoma, I read this article the other day that we've lost thirty thousand teachers just in Oklahoma. They moved wow. to other states. They left the profession because they just can't sustain a, a lifestyle. Yeah. They can't like they can't. I'm talking like a, just a minimum basic needs lifestyle because the pay is so low. And I really wow. think, man, in our teacher preparation programs, like there's. Like if you're really gonna make this a career and and really be there's there, you might want to think about adding something to, onto that plate of income. And I know you guys, um, I know there's there's a you guys do some teacher pay teacher stuff, and then I know you have upcoming you have a workshop for um like a, a breakout session on uh you know just teacher you know emotional the oh, okay. well being and, and taking care of yeah. yourself. So I think, yeah. you know, both those might be, you know, sideline, you know, a, a side hustle to bring in additional income. And mm -hmm. so for your, for the stuff that you guys do in that breakout session I saw coming up, what's that all about? So it's the um, Teacher Self-Care Conference sponsored in the Educators Room. And the one over it is Fran Warren. She started um, a self-care conference for teachers, basically she had so many teachers coming to her and just saying just about just things that are just compromising their self care. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I, when I started like looking at what she was into and, and all of that, you know, as a teacher, even he can even tell you there's times when you're just not, you're neglecting yourself completely. Yeah. Like it's all about the kids. And I think it's like a narrative that we're supposed to do that because you're, you're in a helping profession, you're a teacher and you're supposed to just give your all and, and to me, it's not about that. It's about prioritizing your time and, and putting yourself first. You know, it's like one of those things, a cliche, you can't pour from an empty cup. But that really just holds true. And so we started talking and I started really revamping my plate. And we talk about that, like what's on your plate and what needs to be off your plate um, a lot. And so we're going to be talking about some tips and things that, you know, we do with our family and making sure that family comes first and um, not neglecting our job, not neglecting our kids, but at the same time, what's truly important on your plate that needs to stay and things that are on your plate that probably needs to be pushed off your plate, you know? And so it's just all about self-care and, and, you know, he always says, you know, if you keep, you know, driving yourself to the ground, you'll be gone. Yep. And guess what? Your job is going to be posted like the next day. Like it just, that's just life. And that just is what it is. So, you know, it's those type of conversations that need to be had. Right. And then also just helping um, 
letting the people know, teachers know that in our positions, in our respective positions, instructional coach and school counselor, that there are other ways, you know, we can be utilized to assist you in that regard too. Because I think a lot of times teachers think that they have to do everything all by themselves and they can't. The school counselor is only there for, you know, the students. Well, sometimes you can come, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes as a teacher, you can come and vent to the school counselor. It could be a can and should be a safe place mm-hmm. as long as it's not anything damaging, like, you know, you're, you know, threatening to hurt a child or something like that. <laughs> but um, we're also a good resource for, you know, if you are feeling overwhelmed or burned out, we can provide resources for you as well, just yeah. to, you know, see a therapist or a counselor, just to help you, you know, get back on track to feeling a hundred percent you because right. the teaching profession is extremely stressful it and it's, oftentimes you do not get paid what you feel that you are worth. And that's probably across the board from administrator all the way down to paraprofessional. Mm -hmm. Do not feel like they get paid what they're worth. And I would gamble to say that they're probably right. They probably don't get paid what they're worth. So dealing with that, you know, we trying to help them from that angle as far as self-care is concerned. Mm -hmm. You know what it is, man, is um, I think, you know what I really wish we, we did a better job of is, having that as a working component of the school process, taking care of teachers emotionally and mentally and, you know, because because of the stress, man. And, you know, I think people really underestimate the people that don't do it when you're in a classroom by yourself and like, there's no, there's no other adult and you have all this stress in the challenges and then the stories with which these kids come to class and all that they're going through and you're taking all that on. And then the challenge is you, you harbor, like you carry that stuff around and then when yeah. you do when when you do have a moment to to share it, oftentimes it is just this session where it's teachers in the workroom, and it's in, yes. because of how challenging it, it it turns out to be negative. Man, I, I really wish we just had some way of uh, you know allowing teachers to sit in a circle and somebody to coach and mediate that conversation right. so it stays positive and it stays helpful and it stays you know mm-hmm. where it's almost like you're cleansing rather than right. you know continuing the negativity and like because and, you know in those conversations that i have like and listen man i've done it too it, it, it's like yeah. like you're in the minute and uh, you're in there you know making copies or getting your mail and then somebody says something and you're thinking well you think that's bad this is what i just happened in my class yeah. Yeah. somebody else and they, yeah <laughs> yeah it and, is so true yeah, yeah. and and man and I, it, go ahead it ruins it helps to ruin that school culture yeah so this is what happened so it continues and it perpetuates and it perpetuates. And I think, you know, and I've talked to him about it too, because a lot of times when I do my professional development, we're doing it in grade levels, right? So, you know, I'll be up there doing my spiel and they're looking at me like, yada, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just had this kid that I had to deal with, you know, people are coming in later because they're like, you know, I had to deal with the kid. And I was like, I, I got it. That comes, you know, you got to deal with that kid first, you know? So then it talks, sometimes my professional development alters. Because now this teacher comes in and she's, you know, distraught and she's like, yo, I'm just done. And then we're, we end up having a conversation, you know, because I'm like, I'm not going to continue talking to y'all about guided reading. Right. <laughs> someone's breaking down. And y'all are having, you know, serious <clears throat> issues and you're not going to take it. It's just like the kids when they're having home problems. Exactly. It's like, you know, you you're not going to hear what I say about, you don't give a crap about that reading right now because you have this kid who just tore up your whole classroom 
And now we're having to discuss that and find a plan and, and see what's next. You know what I mean? Same thing. You know, I call it, um, I have a theory and I'm not saying this is right. This is like, I have like, you know, I have a lot of theories, like working theories, but yeah. this is my current one with that. I call it um, toxic empathy. And, and I, I stole that from an administrator that I had. So it's not like I didn't bring this, I didn't, you know, brainstorm this by myself. Right. But what, what she would talk, talk about is she said, you know, because of the, the natural state of a teacher, you know, a, a typical teacher is full of empathy, full, full of compassion. So when somebody comes in with, oh my God, this is horrible. These kids are terrible and, I, and they're, they're, they're awful today. And the natural response of an, a teacher full of empathy is, oh my gosh, I know, right? They're, is, yeah. they're so terrible. And so like, so what she says, now we're in this downward spiral of toxic empathy right. because you're reaffirming, yes, they are. To, I know they're terrible, right? And, and, then, <laughs> yeah. and then you add to, well, let me tell you just what happened at recess today with- yes. <laughs> Right. And now, and now, and then, and then, yeah. and then somebody comes in to get coffee and they get, well, let me tell you. And now it's just yeah. downward and downward. And she said that, you know, she said, and it is a form of love. Like that's a loving empath and like empathetic response, but it's like the most superficial form of love where the re where what's more loving and more compassionate is to stop in that moment and say, Hey, wait, 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 wait a minute. Is it all of the kids or specifically who are we talking about? Well, Lisa came in. Well, okay, let's, let's focus on her, just her alone. Have you been to her house? Have you, have you seen where she lives? Have you, did her mother was here last week? Did you meet her mother? Because based on everything I've seen at what's going on in her life outside of school, based on all of that, she's doing really well. If you take all that into consideration, which is like a more loving response. Exactly. It's so true. It's so true. And I know, and I know some teachers like to say all of the kids or, you know, and my principal will shut it down and say, okay, cause we, you know, we do PBIS at my school and you do it at your school too. And she'll say, okay, and we're taking data. We're saying, so really it's just these 10 kids that are repeat offenders. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. We have 700 and what, 20 kids in our school. These are our 10 kids. We really need to figure out, you know, build those relationships, really figure out what's going on with them at home. You know what I mean? Yep. To try to make, put it in perspective, you know, because sometimes as a teacher, you feel like you're in your four walls and you're all, you can, and, and I get it because all you can do deal with is this kid or these kids that are disrupting your classroom, right? I'm trying to teach and now they're a disruption, but w- what has happened? And so we talk about what has happened to build up to that. You know, what could we have done differently in that situation um, to, to figure out the, the kids triggers too, you know, there's some things, and I, and I know we don't like to talk about that's like faux pas, but as a teacher that you have done to now ignite the situation, yeah. right? And so what, if we have to talk about that, we don't like to have those conversations, <laughs> you know, no. to say, Hey, now you just embarrass the kid in front of all his peers. Right. What do you think going to be his, the kid's natural response? You know what I mean? So. You know, I, I, you know, I talk about that a lot in my, in, you know, in my work with schools is, you know, and first of all, you know, a lot of times I'm doing some sort of a workshop or I'm speaking, you know, at the break, teachers will come up and they'll say, well, tell me what to do. I've got this one kid and they'll t- and, I'll say, and like in years ago, like maybe 10 years ago, I used to answer them. Well, here's what you need to do. But now I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't know you. I don't, I don't know the kid. Like I haven't been in your class the last six months. I don't know what's really happening. You're like, right. Yeah. I could tell you, but specific, I'd have to live in that classroom for like a week and watch you and watch the kid to come up with some. 
and you know, with, with, I'm, I'm so, oh, I love that you brought up. It's like, you like, we know those, those repeat offenders are like those kids that have like the frequent flyer pass to the principal's right. office. <laughs> yeah. And you know what we've done, it's been so effective at so many schools is we've taken those kids and say, and like, we put the picture of the kid and we know who the kid and the kid's name on that picture. And we sit everybody down. Cause what I found out is this for every, every kid that with those most challenging personalities, there's somebody on campus that connects with that kid and loves that kid. There's somebody, yeah. uh, so, you know, sometimes it's a teacher they had two years ago. Sometimes it, it might be the school nurse. It might be a school secretary. It might be the custodian. There's somebody on campus that really connects and they love that kid. And for me, that might be like a whole different, I, I just, for whatever reason, I wasn't able to make the difference in that kid's life. But there, but I, but it, it, you know, what we've done is just make it more intentional. Hey, that's yeah. your kid. That is your, that's your kid this year. So and it's not, it's not we're asking teachers or anybody else on campus to do something more than they're already doing, just being more intentional. So right. when you go back to your classroom, go down that hallway over there. Cause you know, that kid's on that hallway and you can look in the classroom and wave <laughs> and wink at that kid and reconnect all day long. And it's those, it, you know, it's sometimes it's those strategies are the most simple and the most fun that really have the most impact on the lives of those kids. That's right. so true. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, for for you guys. And so um now also coming up with uh, I, I love that um you have this breakout session and uh, what I'm wondering is for those teachers just getting into the business because like we we still lose them. We lose 50% of teachers in their first 5 years. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I, I think one of the reasons is because we're not honest with them. Like they don't really know what they're about to get into because they go to college yeah. and they're in these crazy education courses and it's all like in theory, you know, it's not right. like it's in the classroom. Yeah. And so when they get there, they're not really prepared. And, and also like, this is the only profession. I always say this, this is the only profession on the planet where we have the same expectations of a first day teacher as we do of a 30 year veteran. Like get into so, class and here are, here are the standards. This is where they have to be. You have to get your kids here. And also we don't, we don't, we don't mentor them well. Like we, we send them off into the class and you know, sometimes they'll have like a first year teacher will get a mentor, but what yeah. they meet like once a week for lunch or something, maybe. Yeah. And yeah. so if you guys were going to give advice to somebody just coming in to the business now, what, what would you tell them? What would it be? Hmm. For, for me, I always take it back to my first year, God, my first year of teaching. And um, I struggled my first year, and this is what I tell new teachers, is to find someone to observe, one, that you love what they do, and you can say, this is how I want to do it. This is how I want to teach. This is the way I want to do it. And, man, when I first year, I just copied everything that teacher did, yeah. literally. Like, I was like, okay. And, and you know what happens is you're a new teacher everyone's pulling at you you do it this way you're supposed to do it this way and that's what you said you're supposed to do it this way and everyone's telling you all these different ways to teach and to do things and you're like which one is the right way and so what i what was was told to me was which way do you like to do it which way would you like if, if you were a teacher and you're not there yet where would you what kind of teaching would you want to do which way would you want to do it so these teachers did a lot of hands-on learning and things like that and so i was like hey can I plan with y'all? Can we plan together? And so what basically what happened was it wasn't really us playing together. It was them planning and me saying, 
okay, I'm going to do what y'all do. So just give me all plan. Yeah. <laughs> and y'all help me through it and talk me through it. And they did. So I really think it's important to not only be given a mentor, but you kind of have to say, kind of seek it out. And you kind of have to say, hey, I want you to be my mentor. Do you mind being my mentor? Because, and can we plan together? And can we, they have to be proactive. And I know it's hard because you're new. Um, and, but a lot of times you have to realize that teachers are running a mile a minute, right? And it's not intentional that we're not thinking about that new teacher next door, but because we're running a mile a minute, sometimes they're not intentionally thinking of, oh, Jamie already has Sarah to be her mentor. So she's good. Well, she may not be good. Right. So, so Jamie has to kind of say, Hey, can I plan with y'all? And that's kind of what I did. And I literally, and I tell them now I'm still friends with them on Facebook. And I tell them now y'all help me so much because I just copied everything you did. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I did until I can start doing on my own to kind of inch away a little bit and say, okay, I'm going to plan this less, this subject on my own, you know, and I'll inch away a little bit. But initially that first year I was just like with them and, I would just copy everything they would say. Okay, yeah, and they would give me the materials. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna do that, and they would tell me how to do it, and that's what I did. You know, you know, listening to you talk about it, it's like um, my friends that have been um, um, in the in any other art, like the like. So, like you talk about teaching, just like they talk about the arts, where it was, you know, a visual artist, I know, or an actor, a stand-up comedian, a comic, or even a songwriter, where like coming up as they're as they're developing their skills, they write a lot of songs that sound just like their favorite artists and they are in their art their Whatever they're painting looks just like a like looks a lot like their favorite artists. And I think that's part of becoming an artist. Like you copy all the, those people that have influenced you and it your stuff yeah. sounds like them. It looks like them. But then, and then as a result of all of that influence, you kind of create your own way of doing things. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And you know, man, here's the other thing, like, like, like the mentoring thing. I always think it's crazy. Like I, the schools I have been in the, I think it's crazy how on the first day we have like the first day back to school professional development, we have like a card of, of a name of our first year teachers or somebody new to the school or new to the district. And they, they just, okay, um, Marsha, you're going to, you're going to work with him. Terrence, you've got, you, that's going to be your person. <laughs> they never met these people. Like, yeah. Like, right. Like, how do we right. even know that's a good match, man? Like, why right. don't we figure out who these people are and like see who would be a good fit? And then here's yeah. here's the other thing I really wish we would do is, and which is by the way, like in education, we get caught up in our own like history of the way this is just traditionally how we do stuff. Where like in the business yes. world, they'll put together a team of people to mentor. Like if they pick somebody, they're going to groom for like executive or leadership right. positions. They have a whole team that is going to groom them and mentor. And I think I really wish we did that too. Like figure out the personality of this new kid, mm -hmm. find somebody that's a good match. And then let's put together a team of three or four more people because one mm -hmm. person, we just don't have the time to mentor somebody. It's it's a lot. And that's, and that's why I think, cause I had two teachers in my first year and, and I didn't really ask them. Like, it wasn't like, Hey, we be a mentor. I was like, Hey, can I come to y'all during planning time and have us when you guys plan? And they would just say, Hey, need we're planning. And I would go and I would play with them. And that's just what happened. I mean, um, it was just one of those things and not all new teachers have, you know, they're, it's, there's their self-confidence as a teacher is not there yet because they're new. They're brand new. It's like a baby. Totally so, faking it. <laughs> you know? So it was like one of those things. It, you know, and then also, you know, I think sometimes as new teachers, it's funny, right? I've seen new teachers come in and they're very humble. 
and then they're very, you know, they want to take it all in. But I've also seen new teachers come in where it's the opposite yeah. and they're very cocky. And it's like, I know I got this. I got it. I'm good. And then you find out later, well, no, you're not good. You're you're falling to pieces. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes that happens is the honesty of being a new teacher just need to say, Hey, I don't know it. I need help. But what happens is is that sometimes when they come in cocky like that, some of those are the ones that are drowning. They are know? terrified. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And um I, I and, and I think if we did a better job of um allowing them to be scared and allowing them to, to, you know, to be terrified. And that is, um, you know what it is? It's, uh, letting them know, Hey, listen, man, this is your first year. You're supposed to be scared. Like not asking right. them if they're worried, like, right. Hey man, like you're going to cry. Like that's part mm -hmm. of the deal. We, everyone, yeah. everyone cries their first year. That's part of the deal. You're going <laughs> to feel overwhelmed. You're going to feel exhausted. You're going to feel like you can't do it. You're going to want to quit. Every one of us wanted to quit at some point in the first year. Yeah. That and, yeah. and just letting them know. And you know, Mike, I was I was sitting there thinking, like, from you, from the outside in, as because this is your first year, like full time in a school. Right. Is it if when you see teachers that are struggling and they're not saying a word, but are, is there like are there like symptoms and like uh, like obvious evidence of you can say, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, I say that because without, you know, thinking of a teacher in particular, <laughs> um, there are certain things that you see uh, as far as signs of the burnout or meltdown, maybe walking past the classroom and earlier in the year or, you know, not too long ago, you heard the, the, the jovial sounds of students learning. Everyone's having a good time. And then you walk by and the teacher is shouting at the top of her lungs, sit down, yeah. take your paper out, get your agenda. That is always a telltale sign that maybe that teacher probably needs, you know, she needs some type of intervention or to talk to her to see exact him or her to see exactly what is going on in the class that's causing that type of a response. Mm -hmm. Other things such as maybe they were eating lunch with, as a team. And now you see that teacher sitting you know, away from everyone. She's no longer part of that team. She's kind of isolated herself. That's another one um, that you can probably tell that something may be going on with that teacher, whether it be classroom related or not classroom related. Um, sometimes other things that you may see is maybe they don't speak as much. You know, when you're walking down the hallway, hey, how you doing? Uh, just waiting for you to be over with. Yeah. Those responses. Um, so there are, there are a lot of things that we really think about it. Mm -hmm. um, you can see it. it. The signs are always say it. The signs are always there with students and adult and, and teachers. Mm -hmm. So you can always tell when someone's about to hit the wall or someone is in the midst of hitting the wall. You know, you can tell that that's what's going on. And then it becomes your responsibility or your, I guess you can say for some teachers, it becomes an option for them whether or not they want to intervene. But for me, I look at it more like it's my responsibility. Yeah. Um, just to check on that teacher to see how they're doing because a lot of times teachers have so much stuff going on outside of teaching yeah. um, that we could never guess or be aware of until they let us know. Uh, and just the teaching in the classroom, what you're seeing is a manifestation of everything else going on. Mm -hmm. So that's oftentimes it's, you know, it's, it's really important to see that mm -hmm. and, and try to intervene when you can to prevent that teacher from having that ultimate breakdown. Sure. Yeah, but man. then also, but then also letting them know, um, 
if it is a classroom issue, like you said, letting them know that it is okay, reaffirming that, yeah. kind of normalizing it to let them know, okay, this is your first year. This is what's going to happen. And it's okay. Like, it's it's okay to cry. That was a difficult situation. It's, right. it's all right. That student has a lot of things going on. And at times their behaviors can be challenging. But, you know, it, it's okay to feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. So you use those same strategies that you would with the student, with some of the first-year teachers, because it, it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and also, man, with this profession, like, what other profession can you not just like take a like like in any other profession if if thing is going terribly and you're you know whether you're an accountant or you sell real estate or whatever and you know what you know people do they say oh i just gotta take a break i want to go for, i'm gonna go for a walk i'm gonna go for lunch or take the day out you know what yeah. you're not going anywhere and teach you're in the classroom brother you're not leaving right <laughs> right you're not you going in no we ain't doing no taking a right. walk no, with a captive audience of 25 students 25 to 30 students yeah there's nowhere to go no yeah. man and I saw this article on the um, it was um, the the taking just a day for you. Like, what about yeah? And you know, just it's taking a day, not a day off to take your kid to get there to the orthodontist and to do you know to get the oil yeah. change. Like, it's just taking a day off for you to do nothing and just recover. Yeah. And I think that's there's so I think it's so underrated, man. Like even for me, yeah. so I'm not in the classroom right now, but you know, if if like my job is to create content and ideas and strategies and solutions. Mm -hmm. Well, I can tell you this, man, like when I'm, when I've hit the wall and it's, I'm, and I'm trying to grind it through it, I, I am so unproductive, but if yeah. I take a day, just one day to recover and just clear my mind, you, you yeah. just do nothing, binge some Netflix or something. Right. Yeah. Right. I can tell you this, the next, if I, if I just take one day to do that, the next day I come out, I am like a hundred percent more effective. We just had that conversation. It's funny at lunch. I, I eat lunch with the art teacher and the music teacher. We're like talking and we're like, man, March is a long month. We have no days off in March. Right. I said, guess what y'all I'm going to take a day. I said, Oh, and I'm going to go to the doctor that day too. And they started cracking up. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was like, I'm, I know I'm telling you guys, I'm not taking a day. I'm not it's just, just going to go really through. going to the doctors. <laughs> they started laughing. I was like, yeah. And because we were like, we eat lunch near the principal's office. So I was like, oh, yeah, and I'm going to go to the doctor that morning, too. Right. And they just knew. Yeah. Because it's like one of those things you already know. You know, when you have a long month like that, you have no breaks, no days off. It's a long month. You right. know, it's a, it's, it's some, you have to take a day for yourself. And that's what they're there for. And I think sometimes people are look down on you taking days. Yes. Well, why, then why do you give us It's like days? a weakness. Like, you can't take a day. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Like you're not the iron teacher that you think that you are. You have to power through it without yeah. taking the day. There's yeah. no reward for that. No, no. <laughs> No, and, and, and in order for teachers to come back, you got they have six days. Yeah, you know what we have is, um, you know, I, I always look at it as like a school year trajectory, where like you're on this trajectory, like heading towards the last day of school, and but what happens is some kid melts down, things get, and now you, there's this little shift in the trajectory, positive or negative. And like, if we don't get back on track, man, we we get further and further away from that path that we're hoping to be on. And it's really all about shifting that trajectory back the other way. Occasionally, mm -hmm. with with uh, I, you know, it, it might be it might be just the the right conversation in the hallway at the right time that might take three minutes to get some teacher back on track and refocus on what they're really trying to do in this classroom. 
and, and the connections that they're trying to make and to be the one that changes this kid's life. That, that little conversation in the hallway can get them back on track. In fact, I, you know, one of the schools I work with, um, for, for changing school culture, one of the things that took hold at a recent school was the hallway huddle. And what that is, it is a predetermined yeah. time during the day. You have to do it in under one minute. You have to do it in less than 60 seconds. And teachers come out into the hallway and for 60 seconds, and for them, it was after second period, it was at a middle school, they run into the hallway. Right As soon as the bell rings, they run out of their classroom. They stand right yeah. in the middle of the hall. Here Now, kids are coming. Like Kids are changing classes. They're walking down the hall. Yeah. And there's four of them. Each, each one of the four, they have 15 seconds to talk about something great, something amazing, something that's happening for a kid in their classroom. They do it out loud, big and proud, and they, and they, and they do it. In I love that. What, and, they, yeah. and that little thing alone, man, like that little tiny thing has changed everything, not just for those teachers, but the whole feeling, like the vibe on the hallway because wow. they run out in the middle. And at the top of their lungs, they say, I am so happy for Melissa because what happened to the – and they, they do their thing, and then the next person goes inside of one minute, they run back to their classrooms, done. Love wow. that. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's, awesome. that's powerful because the kids see it too. Yeah, that's yeah. the point. Like the kids, oh my right. God, they're talking about us. And it's somebody, you know, and kids, yeah. but, they, so what they're telling me now is you just see how slow they walk by because they're going to hear if their 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 name is going to get yelled out right. today about something that's happening. Right. And, um, but, but, but really what it is, you know, it's that, it's that whole concept of this neuroplasticity where this, our culture, like in our country right now really shines a lot of light on the negativity, like what's on TV, yeah. the, all that salacious stuff you see that's, you know, what's a reality TV show or what's online, what's on the news. It's no one's ever like cheering about heroic stuff happening, man. It's like, no, no. It's sad. It's no. so sad. But what happens in your mind and for our kids and for adults too is like because of those neurological pathways are so refined and so like the groove is so deep now to look for negative stuff because of all that influence. Like you have to force yourself to find positive things and like retrain your head to see the good stuff. Right. It's so true. It is so true. It, it's kind of like finding your why every day. Every day. Finding your why. Yep. Every single day. Man, I, I was yeah. Just, yeah. I was speaking yesterday. I'm getting excited now. So I was speaking yesterday, <laughs> and um, and and the question, the, the topic was like, what is it about those teachers that are just so driven and passionate all year long? And you know what I found? Like, some of them is it their um, you know, expertise in the content. I don't like maybe once in a while, you know, or is it their grasp of the curriculum and differentiation? Yeah, occasionally, but what it really is, man, like they have such such a clear focus and they're able to articulate what they want for their kids. Like the real lesson, like the one that's going to last for the next, the rest of their life. Like what that lesson is that the kid's going to talk about in 40 years and their why, like why, why this class? Like, why am I in this school? Why, why are these kids? Why these kids? Why am I doing this job? They have such an ability to think about that and articulate it. And they're so like, they're consumed with clarity about what they want for their kids and why. It's so true. It's so true. And then also like when you speak that why into your daily routine and it may not even be daily. I mean, let's just be real. Like it might be every every other day, but I know like when I'm even as a coach, when I'm like, not, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm just, I'll text him and be like, Yes. Today was a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 
and he and I have to really dig and say, okay, why am I here? You know what I mean? Why did I want to be in a coach? You know, what did I want to accomplish? And I have to really, and even as as a teacher, as a coach, that one or two teachers that really want to really want to get better, that really show me, you know, they, they they give me that little push to keep going, right? I can't. And then it was funny. I was talking to my administration about it the other day, and she was like, Nita, think for teachers, it's like eighty percent. You're you're focusing on the twenty percent that are like, you know what I mean? Yeah. The eighty percent. Once you get the eight, the eight you have the eighty percent. Don't focus on 20%. 20% will come. You're not going to get 100%. You know, so she's just like, you know, she tells me that. And that was like, I feel so much better because I was just, I don't know. I guess I sometimes as a coach, I feel like, you know, it should happen like that. Like, you know, the culture and things that I want to do all this change and I want to make everything better. And I want, and it's just not, some things don't just happen just overnight. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's, it's little things and that occur. And as I often tell her, more often than not, sometimes everyone's not always excited for change. Like sometimes as educators, we get it because we're excited, you know, because as a school counselor, I'm excited to do this lesson or go in the classroom or work with this teacher regarding some behavior that they might be seeing. Everyone's not going to be excited. No. So I walk in knowing that everyone's not excited. Yeah. So that way, when I get that 20, yeah. I kind of expect and I can, I can start reshaping my mind to be able to interact and deal and reach, try to reach that 20%. So it's, I think that's part of it too, but mm -hmm. um, it, it, it can be challenging at times yeah. because when you are excited about something, you want someone to be on board with you because you see the end, you see the end game yeah. and they don't. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and that, that's just like a DNA thing. It's a personality thing. There's some people yeah. like, no matter what, they're going to be resistant. They don't want to do it. Yeah. And it'll right. be all the way until the, it's happening. That, and then they get on board. They fought it the whole that's way. Right. Right. But then that's, right. you know, yeah. but, Knowing that, that that's just who they are really helps. Yeah. And I'll tell you, man, like with my coaching, instructional coaching I've done and working with teachers individually in the past is when I focused on like, okay, here's what we're going to try to do in the classroom. Here's how we're going to do it. If I only focus on the how, it was such a grind. But if we talked about, okay, what do we really want to happen as a result mm -hmm. of this? Like what, and really get clear about what the real lesson is for that kid mm -hmm. and who they're becoming. And we focus on why and like really getting clear about what our why is. And then even deeper than that, like who do I need to be? Who, like if yeah. that's, if I'm going to have, like who do I need to be as a person, as an educator, as a professional to make, so if we get that what, the why and the who really like solidly in place as the foundation then making it happen, like the how, becomes really, really easy. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yes, that's true. Yes, that's so true. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good point. And then you know, and then but but like if 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 but here's the deal with education: like we need to produce results, and we need to have, and we need to have data that proves that we produce results. <laughs> And yes. there, there ain't yes. no data when, it, when we're talking about what we really want and why and the who we need to be as a yes. person. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know. It's a hard thing. And teachers have it. It's really hard for them. It's really challenging for teachers, you know, because it's like data is like poured down their throats. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, show me the data, show me the data, which I get both sides of it because, you know, I was in the classroom, but I also, I'm kind of in the middle where I get both sides where it's like, you know, you got to have to prove that this child is, is, is really really progressing but at the same time like i tell the teachers there's a story behind each and every one of these kids yeah. you know you can't just look at numbers and say mm -hmm. okay this child's not moving 
what are you going to do about it? Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? And so you have to talk about the story too. It's not just a number, right. you know? Right. Yeah. And you know what, man? Like, here's uh, people think I'm crazy when I tell this, but when I'm in those school districts, and it's like, okay, in August, I'll do these convocations and all the big back to school stuff, and and the superintendent will get up and do their thing and introduce me. Kind of, there's this like formula how the day works, oftentimes. And in those school districts that are struggling, like really struggling, there's so much conversation about data and test scores and achievement. Like that's like a, such a main focus, but those scores that are really, those schools that are really, really achieving, like, I mean, they're like in this, they're like these out outlier. They're so good. Like yeah. off the data chart, they're so good. They, they really don't talk much at all about testing and data. Mm-hmm. And people think, well, the reason they don't talk about it is because they don't have to, like they're already doing what, but they have it backwards, man. Like, the reason yeah. they're doing well is because they don't talk about it. Like that, that is not their focus. They have such a deeper focus mm-hmm. on, on the, the on the real foundation of you know of kids and taking care of our teachers and putting our kids in. You know, there, there's this whole thing about putting kids first, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of schools that are tremendous. You know what they do? They put their teachers. We put our school family as educators and counselors and administrators first because our population is so challenging. Like you can't, like we have to focus on us together as a family first and our school family and collectively we'll go have an impact on those kids' lives. Right. I totally agree with that. So 110%. And a lot of schools are opposite. Yeah. Which is why, like you see, you see the turnover rate being what it is because you don't feel like you're part of a family. It's kind of like you get out there and make it happen nowhere else. So I mean, that's an unfortunate place to be in, but yeah, what you just said was very... It's so true. You know, it's like one of those things where when you don't feel valued or appreciated, I mean, that goes a long way. It's little things that can be done that keep pushing teachers forward. You know what I mean? Um, And it's so funny because I just had literacy night the other night and, um, and the teachers had to stay. It was mandatory. They had to stay for literacy night and do that. So that ends up being a what? They go to work at eight. They don't get home till eight. You know what I mean? It's one you of those know, things. Twelve hour day. It's like a twelve hour day. I mean, that's. I mean, we love kids, but that's that sucks. You know, it's a twelve hour day, and so um, the the administration put a leave early pass in the people's boxes that were at literacy night, so you get to leave thirty minutes early. Well, that's like gold to teachers because yeah. you're like, oh, I get to leave thirty minutes early. All I got to do is turn it in. I'm out. Like I'm gone. And so what happened, because kids, the buses are usually called by that time anyway. You just have to just stay till four. 30 minutes early for teachers are like, yeah. they're like, I'm out of here. I get to get home 30 minutes early, pick up my kid 30 minutes early, do whatever. And so just little things like that really go a long way. And it's what is that? That's no money. You know what I mean? You just right. say, hey, leave 30 minutes early. Yeah. So a little bit, I think appreciation goes a long way. Truly, it does. It's huge, man. And, and what I tell principals oftentimes is like, "Hey, man, like let's increase the number of teacher paydays." And they're like, yeah. what, I'm like, what do you mean?" I said, "Well, I'm talking like ain't nobody here for the check. I'm not talking about the first and the fifteenth. That's not a teacher payday. What a teacher payday is some sort of affirmation, some sort of recognition, some sort of evidence that you're doing a great job. Some sort, something that shows you're making a difference in the lives of kids. Something that that makes yeah. them feel." We, you know, and there's so many little opportunities like that, like a little pass, something for lunch, leave early, a jeans yeah. day, what, whatever. Yeah. Along with 
putting kids in front of them to talk about the difference that's happening in their life because of the work of teachers. Yeah. You know, I always say, man, like if you're having a faculty meeting and if you're not taking the first five to 10 minutes to have kids stand before the faculty and talking about what they love about school and the difference that's happening in their life. And kids will do that, man. The third grader will will. get up and talk about how much they love their teacher and why. I love that. That that yeah. five minutes of before a traditional meeting where no one's paying attention it is magical. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's a great. I'm a, we're, we're gonna do that. Yeah. I love that because yeah. we have after school program anyway. Kids yeah. are there. They're there. You know, what go I mean? grab one. Yeah. Come here, yeah. Man. Who's your favorite teacher? Let's tell everybody. Let's celebrate. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's yeah, so that's, simple. That's... And like that's what. Here's the crazy thing. Like the reason we all signed up for this ridiculous lifestyle is because we wanted to be like the most influential person in the lives of our kids. Mm -hmm. But rarely Mm -hmm. do we get the evidence that it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Right. It's so true. Right. You're right. And, 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 and numbers don't give it to you. You don't get, you don't feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you may have grown kids, you know what I mean? Everyone's saying, Oh, great job. You, you know, your data has grown. Awesome. But that doesn't, that doesn't give it to you. It's when the kid comes back and say, it's that, and that hardly ever happens. Yeah. And they come back and say, years later, you were influ- you know, really influential in my life. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that hard- it doesn't happen often. And man, like the years later thing is super cool. And I love it. Like some kid will see in Walmart or Target and, hey, I remember you. And like, ah, I can't believe it. And you had that moment. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and, and for me, man, it's always funny how it's like the, mo- the most challenging kid are the ones that loved it the most. Yeah. Yes. I loved your yeah. class. I loved yeah. I was like, you love it. Dude, you gave me the finger. You know, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. No, right. man, I loved it. What are you crazy? Yeah. And, I was going through a hard time. I was yeah. going through a hard time. Yeah. yeah. And, so like, true. And, and like those moments are amazing. But I'm telling you what tops that is, is a kid that's in real time in your class right now right. Yeah. talking yeah. about it. Those yeah. moments when the kid is 15, talk, you know, it's you had him eight years ago. That's uh. awesome. That's great, but man, the kid, mm-hmm. the kid that's in there right now, talking that's in true. front of everybody, it's beautiful. It's powerful. Like in those faculty yeah. meetings, when was the last time you had a faculty meeting where people cried at the beginning because they were so moved by like some kid? You know, to watch a third grader, or fifth grader, well up with the courage that they're going to talk in front yeah. of everybody about their teacher. Man, it's magical. Yeah. And you know what? You remind me of that. Um, how is that? Like one last year. It was, we did this activity during professional development time, and it was, who sits at my table? Who do you have sitting at your table? Who's, yeah. And it's an article that goes along with that. You might have heard of it. And so we had, I had the teachers, it was around Thanksgiving time last year, and I had a teacher talk about who are those people for you at the school right now that continue to push you. And, and teachers were in tears talking about teachers, other teachers on their team, other teachers in the school that were there for them or who, who does it for them or who makes them smile or who, and they were really, it was really powerful. So that, that reminds me of that as the same type of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like one of those things that teachers need to kind of hear it yeah. that, you know, this kid is, is, yeah. is people want their yeah. flowers now. They don't want it. Yeah. They don't yeah. want their flowers, you know, at the, at the funeral. Yeah. They want their flowers now. Yeah. yeah. So, so, 
Yeah. And here's and here's what I've learned over the years, um, both for teachers and kids. So in my thing I do for schools is called Be the One. And um, the way – and I work with teachers throughout the day. It's, it happens on a regular school day. I work with administrators. I work with a, a group, a select group of kids that are kind of like these influential-type personalities we put together. And then what happens mm-hmm. at the end of the day – after school, in a teacher meeting, in a faculty meeting, we, I put together every adult in the school and that group of kids I worked with. It's usually like 50, 60 kids. And mm-hmm. in that moment, what kids will do is they will stand up and do exactly what we're talking about. And they will talk about a teacher that is making a difference in their life and all, they'll, they'll share their appreciation for that. And this is elementary, junior high, high school, all the levels. And wow. And here and now now here's what happens. It's really uncomfortable at first, but I've done it long enough where I can, I can kind of script out what's going to happen and I'll get a kid to share. And once that one kid shares, two or three of kids will raise their hand that they want to go. And once those two or three go, everybody wants to share. And teachers will talk about why they do this job in front of their kids. And for kids, it'll be the first time that they've heard their language arts teacher not say a word about language arts. They'll hear their math teacher not yeah. say a word about math. Yeah. And, wow. And when that happened, and what, what I've realized, I mean, like when I kind of created this whole thing, like I knew it would be powerful. I had no idea how much people desperately wanted other people to know how like they desperately want other people to know the difference that they're making in their life. And every right. and the feeling and how desperately people are need to hear that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and and that's why like when we give those teachers an opportunity there at the table, who's at my table and to share the good stuff and the heavy stuff, it's almost it, it's it, it's it's like the, it's to see it spread across the room how everybody wants to share and the the emotion that happens as a result. You can see how deeply their heart needs that stuff. Yeah, right. it's so true. Right. I mean, I had teachers crying that I wouldn't expect to cry. You yeah. know what I mean? They're the hardcore teachers that, you know, the ones I wouldn't expect to tear. You know. And and what it is is like that's in that in those moments you get to see why the person because oftentimes when you're in the field of education you don't really get to during the day to day a lot of teachers may not be able to really show or talk about why they became a teacher, right? So if they're not able to, those moments really solidify it for them, and everyone gets to see that. They get to see Miss see um Miss Johnson in a whole different light. Usually Miss Johnson may be a little tough on the kids. Mm-hmm. The students that they know Miss Johnson's a no nonsense teacher, mm-hmm. but in that moment they get to see a whole other side of Miss Johnson that they didn't see before. And then they know why Miss Johnson is that way with the students now. So it makes more sense. So that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. really a great, great way to go about it. I love that. Well, I'm totally gonna talk about that with my administration next week. Yeah, man. You know that. You know, like, like, like that. Miss Johnson. Here's what I know. Like, um, when I was growing up, and I had Miss Johnson, and she was my way or the highway teacher, like that one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. and, yeah. Which, when I was growing up, that was fine, man. Like that was part. Like in 1975, that that's okay. Like you can do that, yes. and, and everybody gets on board. But now, she can she can do it, but for that to happen for this generation of kid, they have to deeply, like you have to say the words to kids. I appreciate, man, I believe in you. I love you. You're my kid. Listen, man, I'm not your teacher just this year. I'm your teacher for the rest of your life. And because of that, it's my way or the highway. And they, like when they say those words and the kids believe it and they, and they know who she is and why she's like that, then, then, then you have those kids and you really can be that teacher, like that old school hard teacher yeah. because they yes. know, because they know how deeply you love them. Yeah. Right. 
you can't just yeah you can't just have that that um what is that hard, hard orange that spoon yeah you can't just be this just strict and, and go way not, on the highway without and, showing the love because you know we have four kids at home so we hear those those highway no way yeah, whatever that yeah. saying is and and we're like that's teacher they don't like that's yep. teacher they're like because yep. they're like i'm like why I, I just don't like and we have a child you know our 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 middle school or seventh grader who used to love school i mean when we say love school she makes good grades she still makes good grades yeah she used to love school. that's probably not gonna change now <laughs> i know that's just who she is she has intrinsic yeah. motivation yeah, but yeah. but she hates it yeah she does not like to go to middle school it started in sixth grade now seventh grade and you know what she said she said mom all they do is put powerpoints in front of us and we just copy notes from the powerpoint that's all we do all day yeah it's nothing interactive it's nothing. And, and for her it's kind of those things to where she she's like i can do that at home by myself like if that's what we're going to do i can teach myself just, that just and, she's right, and, and she's right she could teach herself that but, but you know? it's that other part of it that's missing for her like the interaction not just put it up, put some slides on the PowerPoint yeah. and study and we're going to take the test and then we're going to move on to the next and one. And it's the relationship building. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, you know, she's she's not feeling that at yeah. all this year. You know, it's, it's so and, interesting, you know, like all the, all the best teachers, um, it's really funny is like, for me, that's all I was there for. Like, you know, it's it was almost as if, ugh. I I guess I have to teach him something, <laughs> like because yeah. I re like I loved hanging out, man. I love getting to know him. I love you know talking yeah. and and sharing and 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 going around the class and everybody having what you know. Yeah. I love those. And it's like, well, I I guess we better learn something since we're sitting in here. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I I can't even imagine um, those teachers that miss out on those moments because they're they're just doing the you know take the notes, PowerPoint, read the chapter, answer the questions at the end, that whole thing. I, like I, yeah. I don't even want it. I can't. I couldn't show up and do that every day. That's not like there's no fun in that. Well, for me, it's even a selfish thing, right? It's like one of those things. It's like if I'm falling asleep, yeah. then this is not what we're gonna do. I can't. I can't even teach like that. I have to teach where I'm up and, and the kids are up <laughs> and we're having a good time. Because and not saying there aren't some times that just are boring for the kids, but I'm just saying like for me, even as a person, like I couldn't sit there and do that all day. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. You know, I was in a, another state and they have two high schools in the district. And I was visiting the high schools and they really do have a set of railroad tracks that run down the center of this town in a southern <laughs> state. And there's that school over there and then this school over here. And they're very different just, you know, in terms yeah. of socioeconomic and like, and they're not bussing anybody that you like. If you live in that neighborhood and you're one of those people, you go to that school. If you live in that neighborhood, yeah. you're one of those, you go to that. And here's the thing. And I go into that traditional school that is what they consider, um, you know, academically successful. You walk in and right on the wall, they have the ACT 30 wall for every kid that got a 30 on the ACT. And there's a lot of them. And they have the, you know, National Merit Scholar wall and all yeah. that stuff. And you walk down the hall and I'm telling you, man, it is silent. Like it, they're like I'm thinking. Are there any kids? You got 2,500 kids. Like, where are they? And I look in a classroom, and there's a teacher at the front, and kids are looking and taking notes and doing. And every class of my pass, that's going on. And I, and I go to the other school, and this is Friday. This is a Friday at two o'clock, and oh school God. school ends at two forty five. I got like I go to the next school on the other side of the tracks, 
Let me tell you something, man. Every cl- doors are open. Kids are there's skits going on in this classroom. There, there's you know the, people are cheering in that classroom. There's small groups happening over here. There's some I don't even know what's going on in this one, but they're wearing outfits and costumes. And I'm thinking, yeah. what? <laughs> and here's the crazy part: at that upper, you know, upper wealth school, that the teacher yeah. turnover is crazy. They, they're turning over like forty percent of teachers every year. Wow. But this school over here, what they think is a low-performing academic school, nobody leaves. Like, they're nobody. loving it. Because, like, they're on a mission, man. Like, you feel like you're a part of a – like, a like yeah. you're, you're part of a revolution. Like, you, there's so much school uh, family culture and the love, and everybody wants to be a part of it. And I would mm-hmm. much rather teach in that building over there. That's that's me. Right. That's me. You know what I mean? And, and that's what I – you know, if, if teachers aren't happy, they leave. Yes. And it shows. If they're not yes. happy, they leave. And the sad part about it is is that kids when you're out of school like that, kids will ask you, Are you staying? Yep. Are you gonna are you gonna stay? Yep. You know, they will ask you. Yeah. We're bad because you know? everybody knows we're bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what they say. You yeah. know? Are you staying? Are you are you I'm gonna, gonna see come you back? next year? Yeah. Are you coming back? Yeah. So um and so, you know, yep. People people who if you have a night a good culture at your school thriving that's what teachers want to be yeah the, the, and you know what I, I have schools that i work with that I, i've seen teacher like take huge pay cuts just to go teach in that school district because they yeah. because they want to be a part of it mm-hmm. and you know and by the way like that school where i was talking about where they're just standing like it's silent and but super successful i don't even know that i'm not even sure that's called teaching like if you right. have kids that just sit down and look at you, I think I think it's called talking. Like you're talking. <laughs> you're good, good at talking, man. And that's what we talk about. We say that all the time. We're like, you know, the kids should be the one doing most of the talking. Yeah. You know, they should be the one actively learning. The person up there, if you're doing the talking, you're doing the learning. I mean, and you already know all this stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? So yeah, I just want to hear sometimes people want to hear themselves talk and the, the kids are just there just to just, I guess, be their audience. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, before before we shut it down, let me ask you this. If you were going to um, give one tip to a teacher, here we are. Like, I mean, we had just started. It's only, what's March, what, 3rd? Yeah. That's it. You know, in March, not many people know, um, people, people don't know this, but when you're a teacher, March is the month. It has about a thousand days are in March. Yeah. <laughs> so if yeah, you, longer than you ain't kidding, man. And so like, if you were going to give one tip to a, to a teacher out there that is, um, you know, just struggling and, they, and they're just like, they can't even see the end of the, they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. They can't like this school year is never going to end. And they're feeling the burnout. They're feeling the emotional stress. If you're going to give one tip, what, what, what would it be? I would give them my tip. I would take a day. Yes. <laughs> take a day. Yeah. Take a day off. I'm serious. If you had take a day and take a day, I'm saying we were talking about this the other day. Yeah. We're, there's a place called um, Treat Your Feet that all they do is mas- when they don't they massage your feet, and yeah. we've gone together, and that thing is heavily in there. Yes. So we we are you know gonna take a day. We're gonna go to the doctor first. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And then we're going to go to treat your feet. And we're going to do it. We're going to drop the kids off at school, give them a kiss, bye-bye. And we're going to downtown Atlanta, and we're going to go treat your feet. We're going to go get some lunch downtown, and we're going to do us that day. I think it's important to do that. Um, and I know it sometimes looks down on the teacher takes it a personal day or a day for them. 
that's the only way you're going to get through in March. I mean, March is a long, hellish month. I mean, it really it is. Yeah, it is. I say January and March are the the months that last the longest. But they give you the it's like the gold medal at the end for spring break because spring break comes. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. I would say when you're at that point where you feel like, and you're on board with me with this, when you feel like you yeah. just can't go the next get your sub plans together, do the work for your sub plans because teachers hate sub plans. I mean, right. this like grueling. I mean, teachers sub plans suck. But get your sub plans together and. Take a day, take a day for yourself. Seriously, I believe it, and you're right. Like it does have, um, I don't know. People frown upon it; it has some weird stigma to it. But here's the thing: is like, I, like if you come back and you're like a hundred percent better and all in, you yeah. know, take a day for sure, man. Yes, <laughs> take a day. Yeah. I mean, and don't do anything else. And I wouldn't even say, you know, don't go clean your house, don't go run errands. Find something that you love to do, whether it's going to the movies and you haven't gone in eight years. Figure out what movies are out. Find your favorite movie. Go to a movie. Get some popcorn. Just chill. Don't do anything. Yes. Nothing work-related. Nothing even no. close to resembling work. No. Nothing work-related no. at all. If your house is like crap, it's going to look like crap another day. Because that day, you just need to just take yeah. it out. And cleaning the house, that's work-related. So mm -mm. Can't not do that it. I love it. I'm yeah. fired up, man. Now I'm I'm t I'm a, I'm, I'm I might take a week. Now I'm taking a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because I sent out you know that conference we're doing, teacher self care conference. She does um like monthly self care um yeah. calendars, and I sent that out. I, I I don't know which month it was. I think it was January. I sent it out, and like on January 25th, it says take a day for yourself. Right? I sent it out via email, and so the secretary emailed me back. It was like. You just told all the teachers in the school to take, to take a day on the 25th day. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to let them know, you know, they don't do it all on the same day. Right. You know, but she was like, you know what you just did, right? You just sent a, a calendar out for everybody to take a day on the 25th. <laughs> uh, that's good. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway. Right, but yeah, that's what we should I love it, man. Hey, let's thank you so much. I know you guys have a big day of basketball and your four kiddos. You're going to shuttle them all over who knows where. And, uh, yeah. man, and do the family thing. But, man, I really, really appreciate you guys. And, um, and, and Nita and Mike, if, if people want, um, to find you guys online, is it, is it, is the Instagram the best place? Yeah, Instagram for me is the best place. Both of us. Yeah. I'm at Love Teach Bless. Mm -hmm. And, um, at school counselor. You ain't kidding. And you are. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. I want to. Um, what I'll do is I will. Uh, I'll put all this together and I'll and I'll let people know about you guys. And uh, and thank you so much. Thanks. It's been awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great. Have a great Bye. day. We'll see you. You too. Take care. Bye.